Welcome to the Rhema Young Adults Podcast, where we focus on developing a God-centered life. We're so glad you are here, and our hope is to see young adults grow and take steps in their walk with God. We hope you enjoy this message. Come on, who's excited to be in the house of God tonight? I said, who's excited to be in the house of God tonight? That's better. That's better. Well, guys, I'm excited tonight um, to be with you. Listen, um, I, I am a long-winded speaker. I'm just going to put that up front. You all know that, right? Some of you have been attending. You guys know that. Well, hey, I just want you to lean in tonight because tonight I really feel like I have a word for this season for young adults, for young adults. I'm a young adult, um, but specifically for all of us. So I include myself. So tonight, if you have a notebook, if you have a phone with the notebook, I want you to get it out. And I want us to get ready to take some notes tonight. Tonight, I want to talk about a scripture that I believe a lot of people use out of context. A lot of people use it out of the context. It's a phenomenal scripture. And I love that Anthony, we didn't even really talk about what I was talking tonight just a little bit before, but his set uh, and what he was saying in there, just being led about God meeting needs. That's what I want to talk about tonight. How many of you know that God meets your needs? I said, how many of you know that God meets your needs? All right, I want 100% participation. Listen, I I didn't just come to, to preach to myself. I'll do that. But I came to preach to some hungry listeners, amen? But this scripture, I believe when put into context, when it slides into context and you see the big picture, it helps produce great faith for you. Great faith that when applied brings great results and great blessing to your life. And I don't know about you, I wanna be blessed. Amen? How about you? You wanna be blessed? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I wanna be blessed. All right, well, tonight I, I am gonna talk about, this is not the title of my message, I'll get to that in a moment, but I'm gonna be talking about giving and receiving. Paul had a lot to say about giving and receiving with one particular church, and I want to dive into that. So if you have your Bible uh, tonight, go to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. And Paul is writing to the church of Philippi about this law of giving and receiving. It starts off in verse number 10 through 19. I'm going to read nine verses, and then we're going to dive in. Paul said this when writing to Lydia at the church of Philippi. He said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concerns for me. Come on, he's saying it's about time. (laughs) It's about time you show up to my situation. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Paul's saying, hey, I'm good. Turn your name and say, I'm good. (laughs) Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Come on, the international gym scripture right there. Every school gym, every weight room, whether saved, unsaved leaders, they they have this on there. And it's also Pastor Lynette's favorite scripture. That's not the scripture I'm talking about tonight. Let's keep reading verse 14. It says this, yet it was good of you 
to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days, okay, Paul's going back. He's going back in time a little bit. He says, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. This is interesting right here, how he's not concerned with his own needs, but rather he's excited that in their concern for his, God is concerned about theirs. Hold on. Verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Aphrodite the gifts you sent, they are a fragment offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And right here, here's our scripture for tonight. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen, hallelujah. God meets all my needs, not according to this world's riches, not according to my bosses, but I have a heavenly source, my God, and his riches he uses to supply my needs. No wonder Jesus could go with the disciples and tell the disciple to go into a pond and say, the first fish you catch, there's a coin in its mouth. Who put the coin in a fish's mouth? I'm telling you what, God can put money in your mailbox. Come on, anybody got that kind of faith tonight? Well, hey, listen, the title of my message tonight is Need Meters. Need Meters. I'm gonna pray really quick. Father, help us to meet needs. Amen. That's all I got, okay? That's all I got tonight for you. When you get married you realize really quick the responsibility of meeting somebody else's needs. Yeah, we've got one married couple over here. (laughs) My wife and I have been married seven years now, Uh, not long, seven years, two kids and one on the way, hallelujah, my girl is coming. Two boys and I got my girl on the way, super excited about that. But um, when Ashley and I got married, we realized um, how different we were when we got married. And before you get married, you think that you're the most selfless, generous person in the planet. And then you get married and you realize I am the most selfish, (laughs) greedy person in the world. And you know what? I feel like there's sometimes only a a spouse and, and then kids, kids really show you how selfish that you really are. I'm like, Lord, I am the most selfish person in the planet. Uh, My kids, you know, you realize there's just a lot of needs. Uh, For instance, a quick story. Ashley and I, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon. So right away, uh, we're on our honeymoon and we learned a lot about each other. Uh, A lot, being our honeymoon. But the thing I wanna share with you tonight uh, about what I got to know about Ashley on our honeymoon was that we had two different Uh, vacation personalities. When Ashley gets relaxed, she gets quiet. She's just very secure. She's just solid. Now, when I get relaxed, um, I get uh, playful. Uh, Some would say loud. Some would say obnoxious. 
uh, listen, I just don't care, right? Uh, being in ministry, you gotta usually be a certain way in front of people. But when I'm like, we were on a cruise for our honeymoon. I said, I don't know none of these people. They're never gonna remember me. They don't know who I am. So I'm let loose. And so could, you can only imagine we are first uh, newly married. We are in this tiny cabin of the Carnival Cruise Line. And we are put in this tiny confinement area right when we got married. We were not dating or engaged long. Hallelujah. Praise God. We knew what we wanted. We made it happen and we got married and we were in this tiny cabin learning a lot. And one of the things that I just didn't understand was why is she not talking? Why is she so quiet? Why does she not want to ask any questions? Because I'm over here. I'm asking questions. I'm telling stories. I'm in the shower singing the island Jamaican music like I actually live there. Like I am excited. Ashley's like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm like jumping up and down on the bed. I'm like, you ready to go adventure the island? And she's just like, chill. And so like, I'm so confused and and, and we're just kind of going back and forth. And, and I remember the very, this is the first time I ever heard her say this. I've heard her say it to the kids. And she actually said this to me last week. <laughs> but this was the first time she said it. As I was probably jumping down on the bed, being obnoxious, she said, do you need attention? It's the first time I ever heard her say that. She, she said this last week. And it was in that moment that I realized how needy that I really was as a person. But one thing you realize really quick is that you can never fully meet all your spouse's needs. You can never fully meet all your friend's needs. You were not built with that kind of a capacity. And here's the truth. We all have needs. Can I talk about needs for a section? Second. Every single one of your needs are found in one of these five categories. Can I go through those in just a second? Number one is self-actualization. This is where you have this need to be all that you were meant to be. We all have this need to accomplish all that we were meant to accomplish. That's a need. Number two is esteem. This fall, th- these things fall underneath this category, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. Number three is love and belonging. We have uh, friendship, intimacy, family, and a sense of connection. Number four is safety needs, personal security, employment, resource, health, property. And lastly, the fifth category is your physiological needs. This is your air, water, food, shelter, sleep, and clothing. Yes, clothing falls underneath that category. This is why the Bible says that your heavenly father knows what you have need of before you even ask. And if he dresses the lilies of the field and he clothes them and he feeds the birds of the air, how much more does he want to feed and clothe you? That God is always thinking about your needs and never is he going to let his child go without a need. I have a a five-year-old who always wants food, always eating, constantly wants snacks, and it's never ending. He's constantly whining. When is it going to be done? When is dinner going to be done? I'm like, bro, chill. And I finally started asking him this question. I'm like, Nash, I'm like, do you ever miss a meal? And he looked at me and he goes, what's a meal? (laughs) And I said, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Have you ever missed one? And he goes, no. I said, then what makes you think I'm going to let you miss this one? And he goes, I'm just hungry right now. I said, I saw your hunger at long ago. (laughs) 
And we've been preparing it long before you started asking. It just takes time. It just takes time. And see, here's the thing is that we all have these needs. And the thing is, is we want God to meet them in our time frame. But the reality is God saw your needs long before you ever started wanting it. And he's put it in position in a certain time in your life that he is going to make it come to pass. This is where faith comes in. This is where trust comes in. That I am not leaning on my own timing, but I'm leaning on the timing of my father because he knows what I have need of and he knows the time frame in which it needs to come into fruition. How many of you believe that about your father? Here's the thing though, as many needs as we have, some people want to act like they don't have no needs. And this is what I thought Paul was talking about here when he said, I don't need it, but thanks. I don't need it. But thanks. See, some people like to put on this facade like they don't need anybody. Like I'm good. Like life is sunshine and rainbows and perfect and nothing ever goes wrong in my life. And I just don't need people in my life. But the problem is, is that those are the same people that show back up in my life that are the most lonely, most depressed, and the people who need the most help because they have finally reached a point where they can no longer handle the neglect of the needs God has put in them and they're not being met. We all have these needs. And then it's really hard in Christianity when people have this expectation that when they come to Christ, that God is going to take away their needs. Some people think that God is gonna take, can I I just tell you the truth? As a Christian, you have the same needs now that you did before you even met Jesus. You just meet it in a different way. Can I give you an example? You still have the same need for approval. But rather than going to a human who doesn't even fully love themselves to meet that need, now you go to an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God who has formed you in your mother's womb and gave you the breath that you breathe in your lungs and he supplies your needs. See, it's not that I just quit eating. It's just that I eat from a different buffet now, right? People think that these needs are bad, but here's the thing I need you to know. Your needs are not bad. Your needs are not bad, but the means in which you've been meeting your need That can be bad. I want you to write this down. You're not meeting a wrong need. You're just meeting it with the wrong means. You're not meeting a wrong need. That need was put there by God. You've just been meeting it with the wrong means. Let me give you an example. We all need love and belonging. Love and belonging, not in our life, leads to loneliness. And let me tell you right now, lust is loneliness left untreated. Lust is loneliness left untreated. But here's the thing. If you try to meet that need of loneliness with the wrong means, the appetite of that will grow more leaving you more unsatisfied than you were before because the means in which you tried to meet it was not the right one. Are you guys tracking with me? 
I said lean in tonight. I got a lot of scripture and I really want this to help somebody when it comes to the area of their needs. See, God meets our needs. And this is what he's trying to come across in Philippians 4.19. He said, and my God, my God will meet. I love this part, will meet, not take away. He doesn't say, and my God will take away your needs when you come to Jesus. He said, and my God, he will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And this is what I love, that when we understand that God meets our needs, he's all sufficient, he's all knowing, he's all powerful. And this is why we see people easily giving God praise like David. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I be afraid? He's the strength of my life. In whom shall I fear? For when my enemies come against me, when the wicked came against me, even they stumbled and fell. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. See, they understand that God is the source of their need. And when you understand this, that God doesn't take away your needs, he becomes what you need. God doesn't take away your needs. He becomes what you need. Now I want to back up for a second and I want to talk about a need meter spelled M-E-T-E-R, like something that we measure with, right? Wouldn't it be so easy if we all came in here and we had this meter on our head and everyone could look at it and we could just see what you need? I'm telling you, it would make marriage awesome. Like if I came in and it just said on her forehead, I'm hungry, that would solve half of my problems. <laughs> Rather than just going, um, are you going to the kitchen? Um, yeah, like I, I am. Oh, Okay. You know what that means? I think the women know what that means. But what that means to husband is code sign for, I'm hungry, get me something. (laughs) But I'm like, if we just knew that, sometimes we just don't know how to communicate our need. And a lot of us are struggling with an unmet need because you have not learned to communicate it. And you got to learn to communicate a need. This is marriage. Marriage is all built on communication, And when you do not know how to communicate the need that is driving this behavior that is not good in your life, then it will continue to go unmet. See, you might start to get thirsty, but if you not tell somebody around you that I'm thirsty, I need a drink, and you get trapped in a service or in a meeting that goes long, and you don't tell anybody, you just sit and endure, there's going to come a time where your mouth cannot handle that anymore. Now, there's no meeting that typically goes three days. You can go three days without water. Eventually you're going to get that water, but why wait when you have the ability to communicate and do something about it? Can I tell you that you actually have the power? God has given you all the abilities to meet every need that he's put inside of you. He's put that there. And a matter of fact, more than what he's put there, he's got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You have God living on the inside of you. You have a secret source, which is God the Father abiding and dwelling on the inside of you that when you have a spark rise up on the inside of you of of quench, of a, a thirst, of something that needs to be met, God is there to meet it. God is there to meet it. But if we all had this meter we would be able to really help people out. See, a lot of people think they're really good at hiding. See, it's really easy to hide something on the inside. What's going on in the inside and the outside? See, some people have this RBF, resting blessed face, and it's really easy for them to hide 
that they're really hurting. It's like their cheekbones are just structured in a way that they smile all the time and you can never really tell. But here's the reality is that we can all usually tell by the fruit that you're producing of where your meter is at. See, if, I, if you had a meter on your head, I would ask you this question. If you had a peace meter, where's your peace at? Because usually when peace is low, it comes out with anxiety and your anxiety is high. Let me say it like this. When your esteem and your recognition is low, it comes out in bragging. And I know that the people who brag most are the people whose meter of security and esteem is so low. I want to say it like this. Actually, some people, their gauges, their, their, their meter is like a 16-year-old's gas gauge where they fill up $5 at a time It's $5 at a time, one like at a time, one comment at a time, one click at a time. And the reality is, is all these things that we find ourselves turning to, that the devil wants us to turn to, we come to find out that those things can never truly satisfy the need that God put on the inside of you. See, you were made and created by God and it's only from God that you receive the fulfillment and satisfaction of the need that he put inside of you. And so we can't keep turning to social media. I can tell how needy people are by their Instagram posts. I can tell how needy some people Oh, yeah, I'm going to come there a little bit. I can tell how needy some people are by how they are just so depressed with life, by how many questions they're always asking, by how they go from compliment to compliment and always needing people to give them validation. But here's the thing is people always condemning um, behavior and never really getting to the root, which is the absent need. See, when I see someone who's dealing with insecurity and driving people crazy, I don't judge them and go, wow, they're so annoying. They're this and that and the other. You know what I do? Do Deep down in my heart, I'm like, wow, they're missing the voice of God in their life to tell them who they really are. So this is my opportunity. Can I tell you, when you see that, that is your opportunity, young people, to step into someone's life, to speak and prophesy over someone's life what God thinks about them, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a purpose and a plan for their life, that gifts and callings are irrevocable. And if you are here breathing breath, God has called you to do something in this earth. Guys, we have this ability to see these meters on people's life by what they're producing. Are you guys tracking? You guys are either really quiet because it's good or you're really quiet because you're hungry and you're tired. (laughs) But here's what's cool. Paul, his joy is high. You wanna know how you tell that someone's joy is low? It's because entitlement is high. Paul is full of joy in prison. And the book of Philippians is known as the most joyful book in the Bible. And Paul's situation is in a prison cell. How does a man have the revelation of fullness of joy in a situation where he's locked up and confined? How does one get that kind of revelation? See, Paul has found freedom from what he thinks he deserves. He he has found freedom from what he thinks he deserves. And once he is set free from what he thinks he deserves... And what he expects it to be, he can receive what he needs. You guys are looking a little blank. Let me tell you this right now. Some people have this entitlement like the world owes me everything. 
And some people have this victim mentality that I need to do nothing. I've already done everything and everybody owes me everything. And the problem with that is that entitlement, you will never truly be satisfied and full of joy and thankful for where you are currently because you are always believing for what's next and what people owe you. But Paul in this situation is full of joy and his need has been met in a prison cell because he does not think he deserves anything great. Paul's revelation is humble and it's poor in spirit of himself. And because of this, he is content saying, I need nothing because my God has already met all that I have need of. I love this so much, but how did Paul get this revelation? Guys, I want to take you like, like a once upon a time story for a second. Can we just go back? Because the context of this, where did Paul get this kind of a revelation? Well, this scripture that my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory was not written in a vacuum, but rather written in the context of a 12 year relationship with a church called Philippi, the, the leader being Lydia. And what I love is, is they finally, he says, you are the only church who shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. So this church has this revelation of how to give and receive. And so they're the only ones who has given. And even when he was trapped in, the, in Thessalonica, they sent aid to him. But what's amazing is Paul's response. Paul said, great, thanks for the gift. I'll use it, don't need it. What I'm more glad about Watch this, y'all. He said, what I'm more excited about is that because you paid attention to meet my need, he said, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. So God is gonna meet their need because they were concerned with somebody else's need rather than their own. Can I tell you the secret of God meeting your needs is not being focused on your needs at all, but rather the needs of those around you? I'm about to dive into this thing because it all starts in Acts chapter 16, verse seven. Paul is going on a missionary journey to Messiah and Bethania. And as he's going to Messiah and Bethania, he's on this trip and he's got his disciples with him and they're rolling. And all of a sudden it says the spirit of God speaks to him and he says, don't go in there. Now y'all, this is the first time this has happened to Paul. God speaks to Paul and tells him, your job is to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So Paul has a need. We all have this need to do what we're called to do. That is self-actualization. Paul has this need to accomplish what God has called him to do. But now what God has called him to do, he finds himself paused. Jesus stopped his own PR campaign He said, hold up, don't go. And sometimes that's all God says, one word with no explanation. Can I tell you that God doesn't need to explain to you anything? He's only looking for your obedience with the one word he spoke to you. And a lot of us are complaining because we need to know why. And I know a guy in the Bible who did that. His name was Job. And really at the end of his suffering of nine months of absolute hell on earth, God gets to appoint him and still gets to the end and still doesn't give him an explanation. He just said, were you there when I pulled the Leviathan out of the sea with my hook? Were you there when I made the world? He's like, Job, just quit complaining. I think Job had every right <laughs> to complain. But still God never gave him a why. God just wants your obedience. And Paul, God speaks one word to him, don't go. And so Paul's confused. What do you do 
when the thing you feel that you're called to do is taken away from you. Let me phrase it like this. What do you do when the thing that you need, that you think that you need is taken away? Paul blows my mind. It says that in verse eight, he goes down to Troas. Troas is a port city. It's a place of transition. We could say this is a layover. Just things are coming in and going out. And Paul finds him in a place that he never felt God has called him to be. And what do you do when you've left a place of comfort on your way to what you believe God has called you to do, but you find yourself somewhere else? Let me phrase it like this. Some of you, God has called the pastor, but all of a sudden you find yourself serving tables. What do you do when you thought you'd be a head pastor and God gives you a youth group of six kids? What do you do when you feel like you were called to plant a Fortune 500 company and own this big business, but you're at home working on a laptop and have all your personal money going to just keep yourself above water? What do you do between the destination of what God said and what he's gonna do? I love what Paul does. I think we can learn something in this moment. Paul goes into active waiting. He didn't do this. God, I'm waiting on you. You know how many of us do this? We just go here and we're like, God, I'm just waiting on you. I'm just waiting on God. Here's the problem. God's waiting on you. And you want to know how you get nothing done? You wait on God and God wait on you. And you're going to be lying dormant in Troas and serving tables and on that laptop at home, never fulfilling what God called you to do because the gospel requires action. Faith requires action. James said, faith without works is dead. See, we are not called to sit on our blessed assurance and sit back. We are called to do something with what we've been given. God has already done everything he needs to do and provided you every tool and bit of power that you need to fulfill the call of God that is on your life. You have all that you need. And so here's what I love is that when you actually look at the definition of waiting, the kind of waiting that Paul did was not the waiting like I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing until God says something. It was waiting. Like, you know how servers, before they were called servers, they were called waiters? They waited on you. See, I'm not waiting on someone to wait on me and I'm not waiting on somebody. I'm not waiting on somebody to do something for me. I'm waiting on others. And Paul starts to meet some needs. And while Paul is in Troas meeting needs, this is where in verse nine, it says God speaks to him in a dream. Are you guys okay? God speaks to him in a dream and he sees in this dream a man from Macedonia saying to him, come over here. We need your help. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. Because Macedonia is in Europe. No church has been planted in Europe. No church has been planted in Europe. Philippi is a city within Macedonia. And now I understand why God told Paul no. Because here's what's really cool. God knows the real need. God knows the real need. Let me phrase it like this. 
Actually, I'm gonna read the scripture first. The plans of a man are in his heart, but his steps are ordered of the Lord. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the Bible says its way leads to destruction. See, you think what you know is what you, what you think what you know what you need until you get it and realize it wasn't what you needed. And in this moment, Paul had a need to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And what he thought he needed was Messiah and Bethnia. But God said, that's not what you need, that's what you want. And what I know is needed is a church in Europe, not there. That area is gonna get covered, but where I need you is in Europe. And all of a sudden, Paul is recognizing the real need. See, God knows your real need. And I I love this. There's a reason why you are where you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And I love this because Paul was looking for an opportunity. Catch this. Paul was looking for an opportunity to preach. God showed him a need. Could it be that you have been looking for an opportunity but God is trying to show you it in the form of your greatest need. See, maybe you think you know what you needed, but if you got it, you would realize it's not what you needed. You thought you needed more church, you really needed a vacation. Maybe you thought you needed a vacation, but what you really needed was a prayer life. What you thought you needed was a girlfriend and a boyfriend, and what you needed was a Bible. Maybe you thought you needed more Bible, but maybe you just needed a church. Maybe you think that people need to start treating you better and treating you a certain way. Or maybe you should stop looking at people as trees to pick fruit from and soil to sow seed into. I don't know what you need. Only God knows what you need. That's why people make a bad God. Because I don't know what you need. I don't know what my wife needs all the time. And sometimes the things she thinks she needs, she communicates to me. I get it and I think I'm meeting a need and turns out it wasn't what she needed because she doesn't really know what she needs. I love you, babe. (laughs) But it's the same. Because even in us as finite and fallible creatures, we don't know what we need. God knows what you need. And sometimes what you thought you needed was an ice cream cone. And then you realize that that's not what you needed. It didn't meet it. It didn't satisfy it. Is this making sense to somebody? And Paul is realizing that God is leading with a need. What do you do when you feel called to a pulpit, but the pulpit is not available to you? What are you going to do? Like Paul, you have to find needs. Can I tell you the way up is down? Can I tell you that the way you fulfill God's call in your life is helping others fulfill theirs? Can I tell you that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Can I tell you that God will meet your needs when you meet others first? Are you guys getting this? Let me keep tracking with you. You guys okay? I told you I'm long-winded. I'm laying this down. So Paul needs help. He needs to preach. So God helps Paul by showing him a need. See, God is in the business of meeting needs with needs. God is a matchmaker, y'all. He's better than Christian Mingle and FarmersOnly.com. He's better than Christian Farmers Only. I don't even know if that exists. Dot com. He's better. He, he is better. He's in the business of meeting needs with needs. So here's what you got to do. Are you ready? You got to look for the need. 
Write that out. You got to look for the need. Quit waiting on your need to be met and start looking for others to meet. Now pay, pay attention to this. When God showed this to me, this blessed me. God is going to show you a need that you can meet so that way you can see what you had all along that you haven't been using. Let me phrase it like this. You wanna know how you find your gift? Find a need. Let me say it like this. The reason why some of you have not found what you're gifted and called to do is because you have not been meeting anybody else's needs but your own. And the way you find your gift and your calling is when you start meeting needs of people. This will help some young people. I have so many stories of starting in a church and I said, Where do you, what do you need? Not, hey, where's my opportunity to start my ministry? My very first job was mowing the lawn twice a week. It took me seven hours, cleaning out toilets, vacuuming flies out of light fixtures, cleaning and fixing toilets, and I was meeting needs. But you know what's amazing? I all of a sudden began to start doing things This is what is amazing about God. All of a sudden, because of faithfulness, they were giving me more needs that needed met. And even though those things were beyond me, I still took it because it was a need and nobody else was gonna do it. And when I stepped into what I didn't feel I was qualified for, that's where I found grace. And that's where I found my gift. See, that's something that's amazing about grace. It's the word charis. And if you actually add on an M-A, charisma, that's where you get gift. A gift comes on by grace. And it's only through grace you'll fulfill your gift. And the only way your gift comes into operation is when you do things that are beyond you. Can I tell you that I'm nervous every single time I speak? that I sit in the back room on the floor listening to music and I shake because it's beyond me, but that's the way God likes it. Because if it's beyond you, you realize it was never about you and it's where he can show up. And when God shows up, it brings all things unto himself because everyone knows there was only one way that that could happen by a divine influence. Are you guys okay? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. See, Paul is in prison thinking about somebody else's needs. Because if he focused on his needs, he'd be depressed. If Paul was thinking about his needs in prison, his spirit would shrink to the size of his situation. But what's amazing is that he had vision beyond his situation. And because he had vision beyond, he said, my chains are in Christ and the gospel is being preached all the more because of my suffering. He said, so you know what? You can torture me all you want. You can lock me up all you want because the more I suffer, the bolder the church gets to advance the very thing that I am called to do. So you can bring that on. I don't need anything. I'm content in any and every situation, whether being beat up or whether living in a nice fancy house, whether well-fed or hungry, I am content. My needs are met because my faith, my vision is beyond my situation. That's why Paul had great joy. You want great joy? Then you need vision that's beyond you. Your vision should never be about you. It should be about others. And when your vision becomes about others, then God can fulfill your vision. Can I tell you that God will probably have you fulfill somebody else's vision before he fulfills yours? 
Joseph was a prime example. He had to fulfill Potiphar's vision before he would ever, God ever fulfilled his and Pharaoh's. But you know what was amazing? That he was just meeting needs and gifts were coming on him to bless a kingdom, two kingdoms. And little did he realize that the whole time he was meeting other people's needs that God was fulfilling his. And one day you wake up in the very spot that God spoke to you when you were 12 years old and you realize that just through caring and meeting the needs of other people, God has brought you exactly where he wants you to be and what you're called to do and you weren't focused on you at all. Can I tell you that self-help books are pointless? They're pointless because it's not about you. God's got you, young people. He will meet your needs because you meet others. I'm closing up. If I could have the band come. See, some of us got to change our prayer. Some of you have been going through some difficult situations and I'm speaking to some of you. You've been praying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give God, give me this. God, give me that. God, if you would give me this, I would go to church more. God, if you give me this, I would serve you for the rest of my life. Have you, we all pray that we like treat God like he's the slot machine in heaven. We're throwing in a prayer of a coin, pulling on it and be like, pour me out a blessing. I don't have room enough to contain God. Just pour, just open up, just fill up my storehouse, right? And we're playing, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When our real prayer should be, God, show me, show me, show me, show me. Show me someone I can encourage. Show me someone I can bless. Show me someone I can pay for their lunch. Show me somebody who I can preach to. Show me someone who I can help. Show me an old lady I can walk across the street because here's the reality. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. Good measure, press down. Give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. What shall be given? Whatever you give. And so give and it shall be given. Good measure, press down. Shaken together and running over. It shall come back to me in many ways. Not in the way that I thought, but in many ways it'll come back to me but I got to be faithful to give and so here's the reality if whatever I give comes back to me if you need joy rejoice if you need purpose give God praise if you need love love on somebody else if you need money sow money if you have a need sow a if you have a need sow a come on if you have a need sow a if you have a need sow a how many of you got some needs in this place All of y'all have needs. Everybody should raise their hand. If you have a need, sow a seed. And as you sow a seed, a farmer never sows a seed without the harvest in mind. What farmer goes out there and says, man, this soil just needs some seed. I'm just gonna go out and throw seed. You know what, whether anything comes or not. No, the farmer goes out there and says, I'm gonna sow some seed because I need a harvest. I got bills that I gotta pay. I got a family I gotta feed. So you know what? I purpose it in my heart every time I give to someone, every time I I do it joyfully because I know I'm excited like Paul was. He said, I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? I'm excited because my God is gonna meet your needs, not because you were focused on your own, but because you were focused on mine. Am I preaching to somebody tonight? I could, this could change your world when you realize that it's about blessing other people and you have this ability by faith to purpose that, a return in your life, tenfold, a hundredfold. My wife came out one day, I was out praying in the spirit. We had some needs come up financially. I'm vacuuming the line, uh, the, the, the carpet. And she, she just hears me going, a hundredfold, a hundredfold, a hundredfold, man. And she was like, what are you doing? I said, well, we, we, we need a harvest. And I sowed a seed. You cannot expect a harvest if you sow no seed. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. But if you sow 
sparingly, grudgingly, you'll reap sparingly, grudgingly. I want to show you something. In Acts chapter 16, as we're coming down to this, when Paul has this vision of a man, are you guys okay? Can I close this up? He has a vision of a man of Macedonia. He goes to his people and he said, guys, I had a vision of a random man. I don't know his name. I just saw a random man in Europe. Let's get on a ship and let's go. <laughs> Listen, y'all, these guys, without even being the people who had the vision, just jump on board with Paul's. You gotta be faithful to jump on somebody else's vision. Some people come to Rama and go to, or some, some people, maybe you go to Victory, I don't know. Some people go to church and they never serve. But you know what? I see kids coming in here every week with their head held because they come from broken homes. I talked to a grandma today who had to take in her grandkids because the mom uh, and dad went homeless and they don't care and the dad was trying to poison uh, their own kids. And to me, I look at people who sit in a pew and never serve and I say, do you not see the need? People can come into the church and sit on their blessed assurance like God bless me, God bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me, God, indeed. Come on, people be singing this thing. And I'm like, you expecting a blessing and sow no seed? You expect a blessing and meet no need? Do you not see? The Bible says that the harvest is plenty and the labors are few. And anyways, they go over. They're in Europe, walking around, looking for a random man. He's there for three days. They can't find him. It's like time to find a needle in a haystack. I'm going to be corny. A need. <laughs> oh, in a haystack. Sorry, I'm a dad. I had to do that. And they get over there, but you know what's amazing? They can't find him. So they go and sit outside by the water of the city where there was a group of women. And amongst these women was a woman named Lydia. And Lydia, it says she sold purple. And Lydia sold purple, but they also called her a God-fearer. Guys, hold on to this. This, this excites me. They called her a God-fearer, which means she was a Gentile who believed in the Jewish God. Who was Paul called to preach to? The Gentiles. And when he gets there, he doesn't find a man, he finds a woman. Can I tell you that God's gonna do it in a way that you didn't expect? God is gonna meet your need in a way that you didn't think he would? (laughs) You expected him to meet it one way and he's laughing because he said, I'm gonna shock you and how I meet the thing you've been asking me for. I feel that for someone tonight. I I feel that for someone tonight. God is going to meet the need that you've been craving and desiring in a way that you didn't think that he would. So do not quit. Do not give up. Start looking at different avenues. Start looking at different avenues and different perspectives to it because you'll find in looking at different perspectives and different avenues that God is, is sitting in that one avenue and he's saying, this is how I meant to meet that need all along. Bless God, that was for somebody. But what I love is that 
them on the Sabbath, they're sitting there. Paul (laughs) had a message. Lydia had money. And it says that Paul preached the message to Lydia in verse 14. It says that God opened Lydia's heart to receive the message. And so what is amazing is Paul had a need to preach the message. Lydia had a need to receive the message. So Paul meets her need. And then when he meets her need, she turns around and she didn't need money. She needed the message. Paul needed the money, had the message. Lydia gives him the money. And then she receives Jesus. They go back to her house. She welcomes him in. They baptize the family. And with her nice house, because of how she lived, the first church in Europe was planted. God needed a church in Europe. Lydia needed a message. And Paul needed to preach it. And he needed the money. God met all three needs in a way that neither of them expected because all they were focused on was meeting somebody else's and following the voice of the Lord. So this is why I'm closing right now. This is why he said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory because he's only specifically writing to Lydia herself. And he said, you understand giving and receiving. You have blessed me in Thessalonica. You have blessed me when I was in prison. And because you have met my need, my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So please, 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 young people, do not quote that scripture. Do not quote that scripture if you are not actively serving and waiting and meeting others' needs. Because can I tell you, you will be sadly disappointed when none of your needs are being met. And this is where doubt and frustration and faith just, just faith just gets tampered with and doubt and frustration comes in because everyone's in there. Bless me, bless me, God. And they're saying, man, my God meets all of my needs. And all of a sudden you're coming up short. You're coming up short. Bills aren't getting paid. And all of a sudden you're doubting God. God, I'm waiting on you. God, I'm waiting on you. I'm sitting in here. I'm waiting on you. And he said, I'm waiting on you. Don't you see the need? The harvest is plenty. The labors are few. Get up off your blessed assurance and start meeting people's need. Encourage somebody. Bless someone. You say, God, I only got two mites. You know what? Give your two mites. You know what? That girl gave two mites. It was all that she had. And you know what? Let me tell you this right now. I was talking to Anthony in the back. And the amount that you give is contingent on the revelation that you have of what you have that was given to you by God. I didn't phrase that right, but I wanna say it like this. When you realize that nothing that you own is yours, it's really easy to give it away. So the woman with the two mites was like, here, this is all I had. Mary said, this was a whole year's salary. Jesus, I'm just gonna dump it. Judas was like, what? you could have given that to the poor (laughs) money minded guys I, I, I say this message because I want you to understand that we live in a conceited selfish selfie saturated society 
And the only way that we're gonna make a difference in this world is when we look beyond ourselves and start meeting other people's needs. Buy someone's lunch. Pull someone aside. I need, I need encouragement. Man, God, I, I just feel like I have no friends. Well, go and be a friend. God, I don't have any money to, to pay my bills. Go ask a friend. Have you been struggling to pay your bills? Like, yeah, I have. You know what? I want to pay your bill. But that makes no sense logically. <laughs> makes no sense. The thing is, is God is looking for need meters. And if you meet others' needs, he'll meet yours. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. And God, I thank you for this revelation, Lord, that you've given to us. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that it is not about us. But God, it is about your will. And like Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but yours. Even Jesus, Lord, you were focused on meeting God's need before meeting what you thought was your own. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we leave here tonight, that every young person would begin to be a need meter. They would go around looking for people who are hurting, people who are lacking, and they would sow into their life, God. Even when they're at the, uh, at the restaurant, God, they would pull their server aside and say, can I pray for you? And Lord, more than that, that they wouldn't be stingy with their tips, but God, they would bless them over and above. Father, and that they would lay something down, Lord, that was over and it was just an abundant giving. Father, it was just extreme generosity. And God, I thank you, Lord, that everything that is given Father, it'll return back to them tenfold, a hundredfold, that they will be blessed beyond measure and you will open up the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing they don't have room enough to contain. But God, I pray that you would send each and every one of these young adults on a mission, on a mission tonight to be need meters. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We believe that through this message, you were inspired and encouraged to grow in your daily walk with God. See you next time on the Raymond Young Adults Podcast.